Welcome back, guys. This is Kimberly Graham, your co-host of the Affluent Marriage Podcast, and we're so excited to have you here for the continuation of our previous episode. Before we get started, I want to make sure that you guys know that you can follow us and converse with us at the Affluent Marriage Pod on Instagram. That's where you can find us to connect with us, like our content, share our content, any of those types of things, but we also want to hear your stories there as well. So excited for the new stuff that you're going to learn from today's episode. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. So that fear of, you know, there being a breakdown of the relationship because of disagreements. Look, we've said this the last couple of pods and we're going to say this again because for adults, right, you were talking about like our two and six-year-old, which funny and oddly enough still relates to adults, but I statements, okay? We can't say this enough because this is literally like the key to having these conversations. Mm -hmm. If you're having these conversations with your spouse and you're saying you, 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 right? You are going to see them be on edge because you are attacking them. Okay. So for example, all right, if you don't want there to be a disagreement, okay. If you're saying you, you're putting blame, Mm -hmm. right? You're causing there to be tension and conflict. We don't want that. So for example, babe, you can't keep coming home so late. It's crazy inconsiderate that you keep doing that, right? I'm saying you, Mm-hmm. you keep doing this to me which makes me feel attacked. it's rude it's inconsiderate instead turn it into an i statement right babe i feel worried i mm-hmm. i feel worried when you come home late i can't even sleep mm-hmm. right there's a difference in those two statements they both mean the same thing mm-hmm. right but instead right. of saying you're coming home late you're saying hey i'm worried about you right and that's truly what you mean and so then the other person can then recognize that oh my actions are causing you to be worried and that's not my intention you know i will make sure that i call you before i have to work a little bit later i'm sorry that i created a space where you felt uncomfortable you are my best friend and i don't want you feeling that way you know so these are things that we that we have to work towards this is not something that's like oh it's going to happen overnight but it's just something you have to recognize if you notice that you have a fear of that happening a fear of conflict a fear of disagreement that turns into something that will essentially break down your relationship if you have this conversation ask yourself where is this coming from how are our normal conversations occurring when i'm trying to talk about something that's a little bit tough and how are we going to solve this problem is the other person receptive to even thinking about having a change in how we communicate and your communication needs to be regular right we've talked about cars before, right? If I never take care of my car and then I do something drastic with it, I don't know, take a hard U-turn or something or slam on the brake really hard or something, Mm -hmm. right? And I have not like taking care of the brake pads in the car. Oh, that's gonna hurt. There's there's gonna be some issues there, right? Because I've not taken care of the car continuously, Mm -hmm. right? I've not had that normal wear and tear maintenance, you know what I mean? So you gotta do the same thing with relationship. If you're constantly having conversations and communicating and, you know, just along the way, when it comes time for these more challenging and deeper conversations, you're going to be more prepared for it. Mm -hmm. But if we never talk, if we never communicate, and then out of the blue one day, I'm just like, hey, you're not coming, you're not coming home on time. Right. It just seems like it came out of nowhere. Like, excuse me. Right. So (laughs) number one, use the I statements, but it'll make the conversations a lot easier. Right. If you're constantly working Mm -hmm. on that communication component. All right. Number three. Another fear with communication here. Some people don't communicate well with their spouse because they have a fear of expressing one's true thoughts and Mm -hmm. feelings due to a fear of judgment 
or even rejection. Mm -hmm. So as a reminder, we've talked about fear of not being heard or understood. We've talked about a fear of conflict or disagreement. And now we're talking about a fear of expressing your true thoughts and feelings because you think they might reject you. You think they might judge you for your true beliefs. I think this is one of the main conversations that we always come back to a safe place because um, you and I both had that safe place conversation when I decided that I wanted to be done with teaching and I wanted to try doing this business full time. Um, it was one thing when we were doing the boutique, I think that was something that we kind of talked about and we planned it out. But when I said I was done doing the boutique and I felt like I had this like burning desire to start doing financial coaching, that was out of left, I shouldn't say out of left field. I feel like that was starting to, to, to like edge up, like it started to bubble up for me as a passion, but to actually drop my boutique business and start something new was scary. I hemmed and hawed on it for months. And when I finally had the conversation with him and I was like, I think I want to try this and I'm so scared. And he, I didn't want his necessarily, I, I was afraid like that there would be rejection. No, Kim, do you know what you've already done so far? You've already been in this boutique. Why give that up? Why are you doing something else, right? That's the type of fear of rejection we're talking about, right? But you want to be able to go to your spouse with those crazy wild dreams and you want them to be able to Absolutely. hear you. Absolutely. And, you know, this is, I wish when we talked about fear of, you know, communication and expressing your true thoughts, you're afraid of being rejected. Like, I wish that this fear would be labeled as irrational. Mm-hmm. Like I really wish it would be considered an irrational fear, but it's not. It's like not. it is so it's rational. Really like it is not uncommon for someone to express their thoughts or their feelings and be judged mm-hmm. and be rejected. And that sucks. But you know, hopefully you and your spouse, who should be your best friend, by the way, mm-hmm. like hopefully you've cultivated this relationship where if you share your thoughts and your feelings, like you will be received openly, mm-hmm. you know, with open arms and they'll be like, hey, I hear you, I see you. Right. Right. So I wish it were irrational, but you know, it's not. Now you talked about rejection. Uh, I don't, I feel like, man, I'm just like. I know. Like we're in therapy. I already, see, I got the no- you I already on, uh, see the notes. I got you on so. the couch here laying down, you know, your hands like, <sighs> you know, draped across yourself and I'm just having this conversation with you, you know. I'm in therapy. I'm not saying that you were rejected as a kid. That's not what I'm saying. Nope. But all throughout our relationship, I mean, since the first year that we were together and we were both brace-faced, you know, just adorable. (laughs) Like, you have always talked to me. I'm not making this up. You've talked to me about how rejection is hard for you. It is. Like, in friend groups, being, you know, in friend groups or, Mm -hmm. you know, putting a proposal out there for a work or something. Like, the idea of being turned away is hard for you. It's so hard. I don't like, it goes back to that, like, um, I I like harmony. I like for people to be happy. I like for people to like me. I like to know. I like to be validated that you like me. Um, I like to be validated in in lots of different things and not needy. Um, in the least bit, but just like, I need to, I just need some type of sign (laughs) that you're like, good. (laughs) Um, And I need that reciprocity. That's not a word. 
Reciprocation? Reciprocation. Reciprocity is what I was thinking. And oh, I was okay. like, that's a very, very in- interesting word. But anyway, that's what I need. So that fear of rejection, and it's not really so much with work. Like, yeah, I might be a little bit like, oh, but I'm, I guess in work, I'm like, I'm supposed to be rejected. Like, absolutely. That's a little bit easier for me to like, you know, that's, that's a part of this, this situation, but with friend groups, especially. Um, and, and funnily enough, like in business, it happens to me when I'm with only, it's not like when I'm networking. Well, it is sometimes when I'm networking because I'm like, what if they don't like me? I really like this person and I want them to like me, but what if they don't like me? <laughs> um, what if I'm not this enough for them? Um, and I'm, I'm, I learn more to be like, no, I have to just be myself and there's nothing I can do. If they don't like me, they don't like me. Like I have to say it over and over to myself. Um, but I don't know where that came from. I think that just comes from that harmonious like want. Um, sure. And I want that with people that I connect with. I want them to feel that. I want that to be emulated and I want them to reflect it back um, that they like me. And here's where I'm going with that. I read a book over the summer called Getting the Love You Want. It's mm-hmm. a book on communication and marriage. Oh, okay. And part of I, this I did book, not read this book. So no, I cannot this was vouch me, on it. You know, back when I was trying to be a love doctor. No, I just, <laughs> I value our marriage and I knew we were going to be doing this podcast. And I'm like, I just wonder what some of these authors have to say about communication. You know, I'm always trying to grow. Uh, I found it fascinating that this author uh, focused on the mind. I believe they were also like a psychologist. So they're kind of like, you know, that was a profession. Yeah. But I want to talk about neuroplasticity. That sounds fun. Talking about the brain. The cabeza. And how like, you know, I was going to say moldy it is. It is moldy. But it is meldable. What, what, give me a word here for like um, malleable. Malleable. Mm, there you go. Yeah. That's a lot better than moldy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> malleable. <laughs> it's funny because like I'm talking about a book that I've read and I use a word like neuroplasticity and then I'm like, and now Dan Graham's going to come up with a word to describe neuroplasticity. How about moldy? <laughs> hey, it's all good, man. Malleable. All right. So neuroplasticity states that our brains are impacted and changed by the experiences that we have with others in the outside world. Your brain changes literally every time you interact with somebody. Crazy. Every single interaction you have throughout the day, throughout your entire life, mm-hmm. has an impact Ooh, on your brain. That's really interesting. So imagine the impact if your environment is uh, an environment that is negative, speaking very you know lots of yelling versus an environment that is more nurturing or lots of hugs and lots of like think about how moldy those brains are man. think about how moldy those brains yeah those brains are it really that's interesting i think it's more interesting sorry before you got this i think it's actually more interesting that still happens as adults because it would yes. be more, it, like, I understand, like, as kids, yes. like, yes, we know kids are sponges and their brains are changing. But as adults, this is still happening. Right. So here's what neurologists have discovered. They discovered that experiences from your childhood are recorded in your brain as chemical pathways linking mm. to individual nerve cell, cells. So later in life, when you have a conflict with your partner, the intensity of your response can be amplified by this hidden pathway. So if you have a childhood trauma or you had an issue in childhood with rejection, right, your brain has interacted with that feeling, Mm -hmm. right? So 
your individual nerve cells have been impacted. So later on when you're an adult mm-hmm. and these conversations come up and you wonder like, man, why, why did my, my wife response? But like, why did my wife like that's so out of character for her? Like, why did she just like I didn't think this conversation was that big of a deal. Like, why did she blow up when we yeah. started talking about rejection or like, why did my husband just storm out of the room when we started talking about whatever? Right. right? It's very possible that they had such a strong intense reaction Mm -hmm. because of neuroplasticity, right? They had an experience when they were a child and they had very strong connections Mm -hmm. and emotions and feelings around that. And you brought them all the way back to that moment Mm -hmm. when you had that conversation. It's like a trauma response. It like is it's not something fight or flight baby you know how sometimes we have like moments where we're like i don't know why i react that way it's just what i do you know what i mean it's just who i am but we don't actually dive deep as to why we are wired this way and so understand that this neuroplasticity that you're referring to that's happening from childhood to adulthood these these chemical pathways that if we're trying to shift to them and change them they are not going to change overnight it's going no. to take time for that trauma response to be to be like honed in, to be like, no, 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 we don't do that anymore, brain. Remember? We like do this instead. And so that's why, like, I mean, there's still even times now, like with with different things that I will catch myself in this like, you know, childhood or you know, experiences of rejection, whether it's from friend groups or whether it's from it's not really from my parents. I really think it's just from like social groups that I maybe was ostracized from when I was growing up that, you know, carry over into what's happening in business and creating something and like even in in marriage and everything like that, you know, like, do you still love me? Which I mean, if you've seen like my husband, like really, really loves me. And I know that, but for whatever reason, (laughs) there's always, there's always like things happening. So anyway, so like you have to like train your brain. And I, I sometimes have to catch myself like, nope, that's not, that's not right. That's not what we do anymore, brain. And you have to like trigger that. So I don't know. I just feel like, again, this is another reason that if you're nodding your head and you're like saying, wow, I'm recognizing that there's a lot of trauma responses that I do. And there's a lot of things that I can't really explain. This is a really good episode for you to recognize that it is okay to go talk to someone um, and understand where, like the root cause of these things. So you can start to create change for yourself. Right. So therapy is amazing. Yes. So, but what I'm trying to, I guess part of what I'm trying to say here is you have a fear of expressing your true thoughts and feelings, and that is a rational fear. I get it. Mm -hmm. What I'm also trying to express is why your partner might be judgmental Mm -hmm. or might, Mm -hmm. you know, reject something you're saying or disagree vehemently with you like not have that open mind it's mentioned it could very well be because of some childhood trauma or childhood experience and it has impacted Mm -hmm. their neurological pathways right they're having these strong emotions because of those individual nerve cells that are reacting right yeah and that's just like a reaction in their brain right Mm -hmm. it's it's not something that they can like that's their life that's their experience like they can't just change that like you said overnight right so it's important yes you're afraid but it's also important to understand where they're They're coming from right there's there's two parts to this Mm -hmm. right yeah they're responding for a reason you're afraid for a reason you guys got to come together and figure out how do you yeah yeah how do you Right. And how does that, how does that affect our conversations and how do we make sure that it doesn't, how do we, 
how do we recognize these these triggers and how can I call you out on it without you feeling like I'm attacking you? You know, like how can I help you understand like, hey, this is this is not really you talking to me. This is this is the response talking to me. How do you call that out? Sure. We're going to go on to number four here, but I want to leave with a little quote here for number three. All right. This is another T. Harv Ecker quote because he's my guy. And we kind of said this with Susan Jeffers as well. So it all kind of ties in together. (laughs) It is not necessary to try to get rid of fear in order to succeed. That's really important. You can be successful in your marriage. You can be successful in communication with your spouse. You can be successful with money. Without getting rid of fear. And you probably won't get rid of fear. Fear is always going to be there, Mm -hmm. right? Overcoming fear, I feel, means more like diminishing fear. Like, you Uh know, it's it's not as strong of a feeling, but there'll always be some fear there. Oh, there's always going to be fear there. I did theater all through college, and with every show, it got easier, you know, opening night to be on stage. But that fear is, those, you know, fears are always there. Mm -hmm but it does get easier. Yeah, because you took the steps to do it over and over and over and over again that you're able to overcome that initial like, oh my gosh, overwhelm. In the same way that today was my 30 minutes, I was like, okay, I need to get over this step, this step of rejection, of possible rejection that I could have from talking to people and what if they say no, you know? to talking with me. I had to release, I had to recognize that the reason why it was so hard for me is because I'm always looking at the outcome. What's the outcome? What's the outcome? And I have to release the outcome. I can't control that, but I can control just going up and saying, hi, this is who I am. I know not everyone watches Love is Blind, but number four, I'm going to call this Jackie. Oh, Lord. Number four. Mm, if you're watching season four, you know why in, I made that response. <laughs> in communicating with your spouse, there are five fears that we're talking about. Number four, fear of being vulnerable mm-hmm. and opening up to one's partner. Mm-hmm. I said Jackie because in the show Love is Blind, you know, Jackie and her partner had a tough time communicating mm-hmm. because she just wasn't used to that emotional side. Mm-hmm. And her partner was a little too emotional for her. No. He was very he was vulnerable. Amazing. I hey, I didn't say he wasn't. He was very was vulnerable. She was not, and they had a tough time, right? So this is a real fear that people experience. Right. Here's the deal. We're all human, mm-hmm. right? When Kim talked about this a few times, but when I was in therapy, one of our main things that we talked about was the cognitive triangle. We had learned a lot about that. I love that I would go, I would go to my therapy sessions uh, because I still struggle with anxiety. But uh, and it really started during the pandemic. Never mind, that's a whole different conversation. But it started during the pandemic, so I, I didn't realize this until like two or three years later. But I was struggling heavily with anxiety and it was keeping me up at night and I was starting to have panic attacks. So I went to therapy, but I just, I thought it was funny that I would have these sessions with my therapist and then I would come home and basically like reiterate everything that I talked about to my wife. So I basically had the therapy session a second time Mm -hmm. uh, and I took him along the ride with me. I loved it, honestly, because I had some coping. I was like, oh, wow, I can use that. I'm going to use that in my tool belt. Yes, yes. And we do box breathing all the time now. What things I can, we don't use the word control. We use the word manage. Mm, okay. What can, sure, I what can I manage? Be present. I can't control or I can't Be manage present. the outcome. Oh yeah. We're like a walking bunch of therapists up in here. I'm talking saying to each so other. <laughs> the cognitive triangle, right? The idea of the triangles, there's three parts, right? So 
there are your thoughts, mm -hmm. your feelings, and your behaviors or actions, right? So your thoughts is where it all begins. Mm -hmm. You start with thoughts in your mind, right? Everything begins in your mind. You have your thoughts and those thoughts, after thinking them, they create feelings. Mm -hmm. And as you experience those feelings, whether it's anger or bitterness or resent or joy, you know, whatever that feeling is, then with that feeling, there is going to be an action, mm -hmm. right? If you're immensely sad, the action might be to cry or mm -hmm. to, you know, go isolate. Mm -hmm. If it's joy, it might be to, you know, smile or laugh or embrace, you know, or be social. You know, if it's bitterness or resentment, you know, it might be screaming. There's an action that comes with these feelings, right? So this, this triangle, it, it loops around, right? Mm -hmm. It cycles. So after there's those behaviors, it goes back to now you have thoughts again, right? And it just continues to go and go and go, right? So what I guess was eye-opening to me, because with anxiety, you're feeling all these, there's there's an actual physical response to your body with anxiety, right? Like you feel mm -hmm. your heart palpitations and you feel like your muscle fatigue and sort like there's, there's an actual physical response to your body. And it was crazy to me to realize like, I'm doing this to myself. Like mm -hmm. it's all in mm -hmm. my mind. Like it starts with my thoughts. Like I'm right. having these thoughts that are making me feel this way. And then I'm, you know, having some type of behavior, but it was having a physical response on my body. And I don't know, right. it was just crazy to think that, you know, I'm the manager of my own mind. Right. And are you ready for this? Cause this, this blew my mind. Cause this is also a quote, but I'm the manager of my own mind but no thought lives rent free. Mm -hmm. No thought in your mind lives rent free. Those thoughts have a cost. right? And the cost of those thoughts ruminating in your mind, it can be your sleep, mm -hmm. it can cost you your energy, it can cost you you know, your focus, it can cost you your time, it can cost you your joy, mm -hmm. like it could cost you your marriage. There is a cost for these thoughts that are ruminating in your mind. No thought lives rent free. So if you wanna build generational wealth, if you wanna have authentic, you know, communication with your partner, like you need to manage mm -hmm. and take care of these thoughts. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're gonna throw yourself into, you know, yeah a spiraling pattern of deep depression or anxiety like myself. <laughs> so all that to say- But you've gotten better. We're all human, yeah. right? We all have thoughts, we all have feelings, all right? And it's it, it can be hard to be vulnerable. It can be hard to open up, you know? It's scary, but it's worth the payoff because no thought lives rent-free. Why lose sleep? Why lose time? Why lose money? Why lose your partner, your best friend, with these thoughts ruminating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, this is Kim Graham from the Affluent Marriage Podcast. We hope you're enjoying what you're listening to so far. But if you're thinking to yourself, man, I wish I knew more about what's going on in Kim and Dan's world. I want to ask some specific questions and be able to get extra resources. Well, you might want to think about joining the Graham fam. Now, I know I love exclusive content and I love having more of Kim in my life. And if that's something you're interested in, you can be a subscriber and you can get exclusive episodes that no one else is going to hear that's going to help you build generational wealth 
and have more authentic two-way communication. Links are down in the show description. You'll be able to click and see more information about GramFam, and we hope to see you behind the scenes. Have a great one, and let's get back to the show. That's so good. I'm so glad that um, like the cognitive Thank triangle, you, therapy. especially the, the, that it all starts with your head, that it really is your mindset. It just goes back to that. And I know that's such a trendy word that I think we've all come to. Sometimes I think trendy words, I'm like, is it trendy or is it just because I'm old enough that I'm like, oh, I get it. But I really do think that it is something that is just more trendy and mainstream. But in schools, like we talked about, we've been talking about growth mindset for the longest time. Like this is not new um, to talk about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. We've been trying to talk to our kids about this. But when we understand how it, it actually starts with us too, that if we have a mindset that is causing us to grow, that we can do, we can, we can actually manage our behaviors. And then it actually goes down to making sure that we are creating better actions and behaviors that go along with these thoughts um, in the long run. So I just think it's so important to be vulnerable and to be open with each other. I, I just think it adds so much more depth to it's your relationship. True. Like without that vulnerability, without that, it's just such a surface level relationship. It's true. You know? It's true. I mean, yeah. Like if you're not willing to have a deep conversation with your spouse and really talk to them about something that's truly happening within you, whether it is stupid or whether it's not, I shouldn't say stupid, whether you feel it might be stupid or whether you feel it might be silly or just whatever. But if it's a real feeling and you feel like I can't talk to my spouse about that, you really got to investigate that. Absolutely. And again, it, it could go back to some of the other fears. Like a lot of these do tie in together. Like maybe you're afraid to be vulnerable because you're afraid you're going to be rejected or dismissed or not heard or not understood. Like they all tie in together, but it's, it's important to be vulnerable, right? Because is that uncomfortable? Yes. But like my good man, T. Harv Ecker says, the only time you're actually growing is when you are uncomfortable. It's true. Right? If you are comfortable, then chances are like you're just kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. Everything's gravy, Davy. Right? But when you actually step out and do something different, right? That There's can growth, right? That can be it challenging, hurts. but you know you're growing. And that's why I say like I don't ever want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I always want to be uncomfortable. Just a little bit. Just, yeah, a, little just, bit just, uh, just a little bit. Just to keep pushing me in the right direction. Well, start a business and you will constantly be uncomfortable. That's what I'm doing right here. <laughs> because whew, always uncomfortable in a business. It's not as easy peasy as you think it is. Not that you think it is, but it's no. not as easy peasy. People are like, oh, you have a business. You do whatever you want with your time. And I'm like, my brain is always, always on my business. We are moving on to number five. So let me do a quick recap here before we jump into number five. Mm -hmm. Number one, right? We talked about some common communication fears. Number one, fear of not being heard or understood by your partner. Number two, fear of conflict or disagreement that could lead to a breakdown in your relationship. Number three, fear of expressing one's true thoughts and feelings due to fear of judgment or rejection. Number four is Jackie. Fear of being vulnerable <laughs> or open mm -hmm. to one of to your partner, and number five, our last fear that we're going to talk about in communication: fear of being too critical mm -hmm. or hurting one partner's feelings. So this almost like flips the script. Like the other ones are very much like I don't know if I'm going to be mm -hmm. hurt or I might be rejected. Or I might be. This one's more like I'm afraid to have this conversation because if I say this to my partner, like I'm 
I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to hurt her. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to be, too, but they need to hear it. Like this needs to be said, but I'm afraid to say it. Right. Yeah. 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 I almost think about it. Like if you have a spouse, that's like, I want to be a singer and you're like, Oh, my, my girl can't sing. How am I going to talk to her about this? That's what I feel like. Is that because I can't sing? Like, yeah. is there something you want to tell you me? Want to be a singer? I mean, if you decided that you wanted to be a singer on Broadway, then we can talk. I could be an auto-tune singer. Yes, you absolutely could, baby. (laughs) Yeah, I think this one's hard because, you know, this one, this fear comes from love, right? Like you care so much about your partner Mm -hmm. and their feelings and their emotions that you don't, you don't want to crush them. You know, you don't want to hurt them. Uh, But look, here's the deal, man. If, if my zipper's down or if, you know, I got like a a boogie in my nose or I'm, I've got a piece of like you. relish or something in my teeth oh, or I'm something gonna like I'm, I'm going to need you to tell me, right? Like you. I like care about me enough to hurt my feelings. And it's not even like that. Like I care about you enough that I care about your appearance. Not that I want your appearance, but because I want the real you to be exuded, right? And exude me. Ex- <laughs> so I know that if, if you are not feeling or if you do not look the 100% best that I know is your standard, I'm going to tell you. I love that you think that I have standards. You do have standards. I wear sweatpants most, most days. So do I. <laughs> All right. So I, I know I'm joking around here Work with like the home life. <laughs> stuff in the teeth and the, the boogies in the nose and stuff. But, you know, we grow the most from our failures, from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. So that's where we learn. That's mm-hmm. where we grow doing something the right way, doing something correctly, it just it reinforces, you know, what we learn from all of those mistakes along the way. So it is important, you know, to talk to your spouse and to be critical, you know, mm-hmm. you know, not to hurt feelings, but it's important to critique them and and help them out so that they are growing. I always like, you know, I like that your next point is to establish a safe place. Right, because this but goes with at literally all five fears. Right. Like, this is going to make your life so much easier. But also, there are different things, like the sandwich method. That's really great to use What's for conflict. That? So I like sandwiches. Sandwiches, right? So all of those different types of things, like conflicts, or if I'm trying to have a conversation with someone that I know that might hurt their feelings, um, but I know that it's good for them and I need to tell them. So we use the sandwich method. So the sandwich method is to start with a good compliment or something that's good about the other person to make sure that they're happy slip in the stuff that you're like this is what i really need to tell you this is like the place this is the thing that i need you to work on or the thing that i'm you know it might be a little bit critical and then sandwich it with something else that's good right so you always want and this again goes back to the safe place conversation and having authentic communication with your spouse if you're saying more positive things over and over and over and over and over and over again not the same thing, right? Like be authentic. But like if you're saying positive things to your spouse more often than not, then the critical thing you do tell me, I know comes out of love, right? Because there's more positive things that you've said to me over the time that this one thing is not like like the, the only thing that you've actually shown that you've had interest in something that I'm doing, you know? So when you say that, I'm like, oh, you. this is a real thing that you've been thinking about. And yeah, it kind of hurts, but I need to hear that. Thank you so much for telling me that, right? As opposed to if you don't say anything really to me that is positive or any other kind. And then the only thing I see is a negative comment from you. I'm thinking, wow, this dude really hates me. You know what I mean? Like, So there's a way that you can approach it 
so that the having these conflicting or, um, you know, these conversations where you have to be critical are not so hard. Yeah. It's just coming to me all the time that you, uh, use this sandwich technique on me and I just never realized it. Like how many times are you just like, babe, thank you so much for loading the dishwasher. (laughs) Hey, do you think you could wipe off the counter? Like all that water that's like on the counter, you know, that you do when you do this, babe, but you're incredible. Thank you so much for all you do. I just love you so much. Like you just, you went compliment dishwasher, here's what you need to work on, wipe down the counters. And like, oh, I just love you. Oh my goodness. And that's all day, I, every day. I, that's not all day, every day. But I don't, I guess I don't recognize that I do it. But again, you that like goes some back. You like sandwiches, man. That goes back to that harmonious nature of me. I do this with my clients. I know I do this with my clients. I tell them, this is something I'm really proud of. I'm so proud of you. Here's what I need you to work on. But you're doing such a great job. Look how far you've come. You know what I mean? Like I always want them to know that I am so, 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 so proud of my clients but there are same things that we need to work on because listen, I know that I, I believe the most out of you and this right here ain't it. So I need you to fix it. <laughs> but here are some other things that we need that you're doing really great on and I'm really proud of you. So here's the deal. All five of these fears are rational, right? Mm-hmm. They all make sense. It, it makes complete sense that you feel this way, right? It's justified. But having that safe place is going to make these fears a little bit more manageable. Mm-hmm. If you set a time and place, you make it a date, all right? You set those boundaries, you you're respectful, right? You're you're doing all the things that we talked about in our safe place conversation. And that's on Gramfam, by mm-hmm. the way, episode 10. So if you're not on Gramfam, this is your sign. Or you can try to figure it out from episode 11, which was a fun day, free day, you know, you can try to piecemeal it and figure it out, but it's all there on episode 10. But if you do these things, then once you've established that safe place, having these conversations is going to be so much Mm -hmm. easier and manageable to have. And yes, you will still be timid going into that conversation because you're, you know, you're slightly unsure. You're putting your, your heart out there and you're saying, what are you going to do with it now that I'm telling you these things? You're being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but like, it's just, it's going to make all the difference to have that safe place conversation with your partner around fear. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. So, Here is our next quote. If you're willing to do only what's easy, life will be hard. Mm -hmm. But if you're willing to do what's hard, life will be easy. Yep. I think about this. If you're willing to only do what's easy, right? It's probably easy to be like, you know what? I'm just not going to tell my spouse that I don't like that. I'm just going to deal with it. Like Mm -hmm. it, you know, life's going to be hard because you're going to be, you're going to have all these pet peeves. You're going to be like, oh. He left, he left water on the counter again after he did the dishes or oh, he didn't fold his clothes and or all oh, of a sudden didn't do this. you're over there festering about and, something over the last five years right, you're bitter, <laughs> and they have no idea. You know, you're unhappy, right? Life is going to be hard, right? But it, it is easy to ignore. Right. But you know what's funny though? Because how many times do I hear stories about people being in the, you know, the office of their lawyer, of their therapist or whatever, their marriage therapist, and they're talking about the tiniest things, like the way that you do this and the way that you do this. And he's like, well, when, when did this happen? <laughs> like, what? And there's all these tiny little grievances that you never just aired out and they build up, man. And when they build up, they explode. And you just have to really think about that, like that every single time that you have that hard conversation, even if it's a smaller conversation, you're creating an even stronger version of yourself that later on it'll be an easier conversation. Um, 
you know, moving forward. You're just creating. Right. I never really watched How I Met Your Mother, but it reminds me of like how everyone had that little thing that like bothered each other, like chewing loudly or whatever it was. What were some of the other ones? They they had baggage. Like they always had like all of them had some type of baggage. Like they sang too much or they chewed really loudly or they, you know, overcorrected people. And it was things that you didn't even notice until the other person said something about it. And they were like, oh my gosh, you do do that. Um, That's like a really good episode. But that's what that makes me think of. So it's important to do the hard thing and have those critical conversations with your spouse because then life will be easy Mm -hmm. because it'll be out there in the open. It's on the table. They're aware of it and they can make those active changes. All right. So if you are struggling with marriage communication fears, it's important to recognize that effective communication is a skill Mm -hmm. that can be developed. It can be improved over time. Some strategies that can be useful include, like we talked about, active listening. It's a part of the safe place. Using I statements. We talked about this in the safe place instead of you statements. Expressing empathy and understanding and being open and honest with your partner. Mm -hmm. It's important to make time for regular check-ins and conversations. Hey, didn't we talk about that in our safe place conversation? We sure did. Wow. To discuss any concerns or issues that may arise in your relationship. You've said this a lot, Kim. Seeking support from a couple's therapist or counselor can also be helpful in learning effective communication skills and overcoming communication fears. Mm. You know, you can definitely go online. You can look things up. You can try it all out. You can read the books. And I encourage you to do that, right? Try to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. But if it's not working and you're coming to a pass, why not get help? Get help. Get help. What's the worst that could happen? All right. So... A call to action, Kim. I mean, I think a call to action for today would just be to identify and... I think you should look inward. I think, yeah, you should look inward. So you should just kind of like identify within yourself. What are some things that I'm noticing then in reference to communicating with myself that I feel fear fear around? Do I have other types of conversations that I've been wanting to have that I'm super scared of having? Um, another phrase is like a high risk conversation that you've been like thinking, oh, I should have this conversation, but I'm scared because of all of these things that could happen. And really just start thinking about those. Where's that coming from? Where's this fear coming from? Have you tried something like that before? What happened? How can you try and like lead your way to that conversation so it doesn't have the same same or, you know, similar outcome? So these are some things that that you should think about and and, you know, maybe it'll spur a conversation. I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening today to this conversation on fear surrounding communication. Uh, We are going to be talking about fear some more. This is going to be part of our series that we're talking about. Yes, spooky times. We're going to talk about some of our money fears. Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. So we wanted to start with communication because we've kind of been on that communication train with Safe Place and all that. So I thought we'd keep the communication train rolling. But we're going to talk about fears with money oh there's lots of fears with money. oh absolutely so thank you guys so much for listening to the affluent marriage podcast this is my wife kimberly graham the financial coach and i am the educator trying to get out daniel graham guys go live in love walk in wealth take care y'all have a good one bye
Bye. Bye.